You're listening to 101.9 Hi FM, I'm Benji Shulman and this is the New Blue Review. Welcome to the program. Nice to be with you on this Monday morning in December. It has arrived. Uh, everyone is getting ready to go on holiday. They're chilling out. Things are starting to uh, relax down a little bit. Uh, we're not quite closed, I think. Once the country hits the 15th and, of course, the 25th, things really start to uh, wind down. But there are still plenty of uh, people chilling out, leaving, going on holiday, etc. So if you're not one of them and you're listening to the show, welcome and it's good to be with you. And uh, as always, we are happy to take any of your calls during the show. Let us know, 34519. You can WhatsApp us on 0618951019. And uh, all throughout the show, we're happy to talk to you uh, if perhaps you are going on holiday now on the Monday or just going around doing your normal business uh, in December. So what have we got on the show? Well, for a start, we are having a bit of a December-focused show because of it being December and the holidays. So we're going to be talking about, uh, in the travel feature in a little bit, we're going to be talking about something that you can do along the garden route, something for the kids uh, that they would like to do, that they'd like to enjoy. Uh, Particularly, we're having a look at the post office tree, uh, post office tree in Mossel Bay. So we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about the shoe that is taking over Israel um, or has taken over Israel. One in four Israelis are wearing this shoe. It's an Australian shoe by the name of Bluntstone uh, and a very interesting story about how so it was a shoe from Tasmania that ended up in Israel and how the Israelis are wearing it and how you can buy a pair yourself here in South Africa. So that is uh, something else that we're going to be talking to. We've got the people who sell Blundstones coming in and talking to us. And then in our Tikkun Olam feature, uh, we are going to be looking at the numerous ways that Israel and uh, the Jewish people are helping out in the world, whether it be in agriculture, in medicine, in all sorts of things like that. And uh, we've got a couple of interesting stories for you on the show for that. Um, so stay tuned for, for all of that coming up. Uh, we're going to take a short break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the post office tree. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Hi FM, I'm Benji Shulman and this is the new Blue Review. Welcome back to the show. Nice to be with you on this Monday morning. And uh, sometimes we get to do the travel feature and, of course, traveling a big part of the December rush here in uh, Johannesburg as all the Khatengas try and get out and uh, do a little bit of something relaxing so that uh, the, the the worries of the year can, can float away for a bit. And uh, a, a big and uh, regular space, I guess, for people to go is down to the coast. Many go to Durban, many go to Cape Town, and some will often go along the garden route. And I thought that on the travel feature for today, we'd look at one of the spaces there which maybe people overlook uh, on their holidays uh, in the beaches, but which might be a lot of fun uh, for the little ones and indeed some of the older ones that are part of the family. And the particular space that I'm talking about today is the post office tree in uh, in Mossel Bay. The post office tree in Mossel Bay. Of course, if you have a, 
basically live in the world at the moment. You are dealing all the way with uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter and uh, email and all these sorts of things. And you kind of forget that, in fact, we still have post offices in this country. You can send letters, and uh, this is something that people do. So why not go back to the source and go and see the very first post office in South Africa? And it turns out that this post office uh, was basically created in the 1500s by a a Portuguese sailor. And uh, he came around the coast and he had a particularly uh, horrible time trying to get where he had to go uh, because of the Cape of Storms. And so he left a, a, um, he left a, a boot on a tree, a big milkwood tree, and uh, the, the milkwood tree is five or six hundred years old by now, and uh, and and in it was a big uh, a, a big boot uh, where he left a message. Where one year later, somebody actually came up and was able to find uh, this particular uh, boot and was got the message. And this tree then became this place where people. Uh, left messages as they were coming around uh, the Cape of, of, of Good Hope. And it has stayed like that to this day, even 500 years later. And you can go and see this enormous milkwood tree, uh, which is now a national monument, and it has in it a post box. And so you can go there and you can get everyone to write down, take your uh, address for granny or grandpa or some friends or whatever it is, and you can write the post uh, the post uh, cards there and you can put it into the tree and it will be delivered and they even have a special stamp uh, for all um, all letters that are uh, near there and around the tree has also a museum that you can go and have a look at so for example they have uh, a number of different attractions that you can go and see they have uh, the boat the original kind of boat uh, that uh, Bartholomew Dias Caravel it's called and uh, it's basically a life-size boat of the Portuguese guy who would have slept around the coast and you can go and stand on it and look at it and, and see how the the uh, the, the things with the wind and uh, the, the ropes and everything. So that's pretty interesting. They have a fountain there. Uh, there's also a graveyard of uh, Cape Malay who are, were in the area. And they have an amazing seashell museum. If you love seashells and uh, you want to connect them all over the place, it's also an amazing opportunity to go see that. So if you're going on holiday uh, this year and you're going past Muscle Bay, don't forget to stop and have a look at the post office tree and it is uh, quite well worth a little bit of extra time in between where your holidays are. It is in Mossel Bay and uh, you can check out their their website if you want more details www.diasmuseum.co.za and uh, it is, uh, as I say, well worth the visit. So we're going to take a short break now. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Claire Elder, and she is from uh, Blundstone Shoes, and a very, very interesting story about the shoe that took over Israel. The best part of your day, at the heart of your community, all the talk, all the music, all the news, Chai FM. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM, I'm Benji Shulman and this is the New Blue Review. Welcome to the program. If you're tuning in on 101.9 or on the Jerusalem Post, it is good to have you and uh, uh, good to be with you on your Jewish culture and current affairs program. And I'm sure that if you are a regular visitor to Israel, you would have noticed uh, this. Or, in fact, if you have some sort of teenager who's gone on a gap year or a youth movement program, that when they come back, they will have been wearing something that looks like 
you're not sure if it's a boot, is it a fashion accessory, is it, uh, what is it? Well, we're going to be in studio today because the shoes are called Bluntstones and uh, they are ubiquitous in Israel. Uh, originally designed uh, for hard work and safety, the Israelis have taken it off to a new level and now you can walk into a high-tech business startup uh, and see people wearing this shoe. So uh, we're going to find out what is this shoe, where is it from and why has it been taking Israel and indeed the world by storm and uh, the people we have in studio to talk to us today about it claire and mark elder uh, they are from emu trading uh not e- emu emu creek trading. emu creek trading That's it. uh um and they're going to be talking to us about about the shoes guys welcome to the show thank, thank you. you thanks Reggie. um so f- first off uh tell us a little bit uh, uh, about the shoes and they're they're an australian shoe uh of, of all things so take, talk to us a little bit about the history of where they come from that's right so the blundstones or blannies how we is that the australian yes, term yeah, the affectionate, blannies. affectionately blannies, blannies, like, blannies, right yes, okay yeah. very good uh, originated in in hobart tasmania little island off the mainland okay and um so that started in the 1800s it was initially started by the blundstone family um which was later purchased by the Cuthbert's family, um, and they retained the name Blundstone, and developed and grew the family business and are still involved in it today. And so, yeah, 150 years later, we're still going strong. Oh, that's amazing. It's good to know that Tasmania is famous for something other than devils. Okay, so that's where the shoe comes from. And, and it does have this obviously very unique design. So uh, where, where does it come from? What was it originally purposed to do? So originally it was uh, developed as a work boot, um, given that um, if you look back in the history um, – Tasmania and the elements with the the original uh, inhabitants, they needed a, a strong work boot that was durable. So um, initially the boot was actually a lace-up boot. The originals were lace-ups. And then in the 1960s, the elastic-sided boot, or the blunny as we now call it, um, uh, was developed and uh, has grown from strength to strength. So agricultural farm um, was the, the main purpose. and uh, But now it's just crossed over to streetwear and... Uh, taken the world by storm uh, that's really kind of the standout feature of the boot the thing that people recognize it for is that when you look at it you'll see it, it sort of looks let's call it boot like for lack of a better word but but instead of laces most of the boots uh, have this elastic in between where the ankle is uh, and at the back or, or the front some sort of tag mm-hmm. uh, that, that that's kind of the defining feature and that's kind of what's made it so popular because certainly someone like me who who's laces are never done anyway uh, in, an, in an agricultural setting would be a bit of a problem. So it's easy on, easy off, exactly and, that. and very comfortable. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't ta- you don't need to give it much TLC. They're just good, hard-working boots. So. And, and it's also gone, I mean, we'll talk about the fashion side because that's also been quite big in a minute, but it's kind of also gone to the other end and that they still, they well, still they do teal, steel-toed caps and, and that sort of thing for, for heavy, heavy work use. That's right. So, Blanston's got a range um, of, like, like you mentioned, the steel toe caps, which we supply to the uh, occupational health industries, uh, mining, um, farming again. So, in those industries, they are strong, and they're, they're making huge developments in the technology and the product development that they're doing in, the, in that range. So, yeah, it's a crossover range into lifestyle 
and uh, safety as well. Yeah. Uh, so the lifestyle element is something I want to talk about because when I read up about the shoes in preparation for the show, it, it turns out that, that Israel is actually the second biggest market uh, for, for the shoes after Australia, uh, which, which is quite, quite an interesting thing that you could have such a, uh, something like a work boot um, and, and that it so easily gets transferred uh, into the rest of the marketplace as a fashion item. Absolutely, yeah. So... Um Outside Australia, Canada and Israel and Italy are the biggest um, distributors at this point. And yes, that crossover from day-to-day lifestyle streetwear, um, girls are wearing, boys are wearing it, and it's generational as well. So kids are wearing it. So yeah. It's oh, so you can now get your sort of 12-year-old kid Blundstone boots. Like Two years yeah, old. My Two years old. My yeah. daughter has grown up in Blunnies. So yeah. yeah. Okay. That's, uh, that's, that's quite amazing. And and in terms of uh, versus other boots and other shoes, I mean, w- what is the competitor? Because it, it does kind of have this unique flavor, if you like. Do do you guys? You, okay, you you obviously in in a South African context mm. here, it has a very strong work related aspect, less on the fashion side. Mm. Uh, but but what would you say is like where does it fit as a shoe in the market? Because it doesn't act like any other shoe, maybe that that, that I've seen. Uh, wow. Um, look, I mean, you know, uh, yes, the outdoor sort of farming side, but we have a lot of guys who do uh, light hiking. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we supply quite a few of the outdoor stores. Um, so it crosses over into that sort of, um, let's get out and about kind of lifestyle as well. So want to take a walk up uh, Table Mountain, wear a pair of blannies. It, it's a crossover boot. And, and, and then you can go out uh, to a decent restaurant after you or a festival table and have an absolute well. party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So and 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 you say that in South Africa the the main the main market is for agriculture and for 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 work work purposes. Yeah. Correct? At the at the moment and also the the guys who um, yeah uh, mainly the outdoor guys. You know, yeah. The, the ones that go like if you want to go into the bush or. Uh, hunting, um, um, just really, really uh, anywhere that requires a hard-wearing, comfortable boot because it's got a shock protection system that's built into the sole, and all of these features that they that they patented world, worldwide. So they've been around, as I say, Claire said, from 1870, and uh, they're just a wonderful boot. And they certainly in the movies and so on, we've supplied quite a few. Um, uh, uh, productions with with the with the with the uh, for the crew and so on and uh, um, that's that's worked very well and um, just generally they're a very uh, popular boot for the city guys now. So like we, we you could maybe call it weekend warrior chic. Absolutely, yeah. that's that's. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna um, trademark that. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> So now talk to me from your guys' side. I mean, you don't only do these shoes. You do a range of sort of Australian brands and, and, and things. How did you get into get into this market? What what made you decide to, to start uh, becoming a, an, a shoe salesperson, cobbler? Well, it started years ago. Uh, we've been doing it since 95. And my son was overseas uh, traveling with a bunch of Aussies. And he said, Dad... You've got to look at these. They're called bloodstones. So I said, bloodstone, that's a hell of a name. But anyway, 
Um, so uh, it turned out to be uh, that every Australian had them. I think they're born with them on. But uh, they, uh, he said, see what you can do. So we approached them and we went across to Tasmania and we met lovely people there. And uh, that's how we started. And um, uh, it's been a quite, quite well received in South Africa. And um, the, uh, the, the boots themselves uh, then drove us into other areas of Australian products and so on. Um, so of which we carry a few. So what other kinds of things do people wear uh, from Australia? Because you don't always think about Australia as being a, a set of goods that South Africans uh, make use of. I'm trying to think of any other Australian brands other than like Skippy the Kangaroo that I uh, used to watch or, na- or just Neighbours or something like that yes, back in the day. I watched it. <laughs> Kylie Minogue was on it. <laughs> like, I mean, we root to Australia, just don't remember like what it is that they, that they, that they produce. So it's interesting. Vegemite. You know, veg- veg- well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't remember any of yes. the Australian brands. No, the Australian brands that we carry are, are sort of the iconic brands, really. Okay. It starts with the top, the head to toe. So you go from the head, which is the Akubra hat, right, which is made out of rabbit felt fur, because I've got plenty of them running around there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, the the Akubra is a uh, fantastic uh, hat uh, that um, wears very well. I mean, we have have Akubras that are 20, 30 years old. Uh, going down to like R.M. Williams uh, clothing uh, their boots are f- sensational and uh, they're all handmade and so on in, ta- uh, in, um, in uh, Adelaide, Adelaide yeah. thank you Okay. and, um, and then their, their clothing range and then dries a bone which is their sort of uh, uh, oil skin jacket which is also developed over the years from the old sails that were ripped apart by the storms and the southern oceans and then they'd put, soak them in oil and put them stink like mad but anyway <laughs> send the sailors up and to the rigs and so on and uh, that's how that developed because when they got uh, when the sailors got eventually to Australia they needed some protection and this is like a big coat it started out and uh, it's like a mobile tent you know you can sleep in it and it rolls up into a little ball that you can tie onto a horse and so on and so forth but those, uh, those are, and then of course, uh, Blunston. So we, uh, those are the four major um, iconic Australian uh, yeah. brands. Yeah. So you guys are almost like the opposite of like all the South Africans who go overseas to to Australia, and then they have to bring in all the knickknacks and the yes. Omar the rusks and yes. the everything like the chutney. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the opposite yeah. way around. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, well. Certainly now, because you only allow, you like, cut you down on, on what you can carry back. Mm-hmm. So the weight thing is now uh, you can have one suitcase most of the time, and and so on, and uh, so people can get it all here if they want it. But we have a lot of Australians popping into the store, and they say mm. we want to get a taste of home. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. come and smell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is, is there a big Australian population that you found that, that lives? Uh, in, um, mostly South Africans who lived in Australia that have come back. A lot of that. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, and then we have, of course, we have the embassy in us in, in uh, Pretoria, so we have a few of the folks coming to visit. Mm-hmm. So, and then our one store is is uh, based next to the height, so we have a lot of foreign guests coming in and, and visiting. So, yeah, yeah. So, so there's a bit of international trade as yes. well that, yeah. that helps to support yeah. the mm-hmm. to support the store. Now, going back to the shoes uh, for a second, 
So uh, we, we kind of spoken to them about be, about being in something workwear and, uh, and and the fact that it's crossover. But but the design has changed over time. You mentioned it went from laced to elastic. Yes. Uh, and as it has become more fashionable, it's also kind of changed appearance. And talk to us a little bit about what are how you can really go out and be fashionable without having to have a fashionable item, if you know what I mean. Well, you know, there's simplicity. It's just a classic look. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly fashion forward, um, but it's managed to walk the catwalks in uh, Melbourne Fashion Week, and so um, there's simplicity, you know. But but the leathers, we've we've got a, a beautiful range of different leathers um, now coming out with different elastics. Uh, we're also designing more um, gender specific styles as well. Ladies, um, there'll be more heels. Um, there's a canvas range as well, which is more of a summer range. So yeah, there's there's. Um and, and they're not just sticking to sort of brown boots. No, there's you, there's, there's all sorts of colours. Yeah. And, and so we have the reds, we have the beautiful red leathers, um, the um, honey coloured blues, greens. Yeah, it's all and and it changes. We have seasonal ranges, so uh, we have limited ranges as well. So yeah. And, and how do you as as someone, I mean, I'm assuming that you have to, like, notify the Australians about what you want or does it change very often? How, how does the process work of selecting the goods that you think would, would work in the store? Well, basically, we obviously look at the international trends. We uh, keep in touch with uh, the head office, especially what uh, is happening in Canada, in Israel and Italy. Um, and we keep in contact with those kind of trends. Um, we have the best sellers in stock, um, like the 585, which is the best seller uh, internationally and locally. Um, so we keep we keep in contact with what's going on in the marketplace, yeah. Okay. And, uh, okay, so we're going to take a short break and we'll come back. We're going to be speaking to Claire and Mark again. They're from uh, Emu Creek. Uh, they're selling blunchstone shoes in South Africa. And uh, so if you have a, a, a teenager that, that didn't that left them on the plane then uh, you can you can get one for them now we'll be back just after this stay relevant and up to date this is 101.9 high fm you're back with 101.9 high fm i'm benji shulman and this is the new blue review and we are talking shoes today uh blundstone shoes we're speaking to mark and claire elder they are from emu creek and uh, they sell blundstone shoes uh, a major fashion item uh, in Israel, and uh, if you if you managed to miss the trend while you were last there, the good news is is you can get them in South Africa uh, as well. Uh, guys, obviously a hard wearing boot doesn't take too much TLC, but but leather shoes do take some specific sorts of uh, looking after and caring. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of stuff do you recommend, just in general mm. for people's shoes? Well, the, you need a, obviously a, a good leather care, mm-hmm. so something that's natural based. Uh, we tend to advise not to use the uh, uh, brands that you can get uh, in your local supermarket. Rather go for something that's got a beeswax in, um, something like that, that actually feeds the leather and doesn't seal the leather, um, and it helps um, helps the leather breathe. So um, that's important. Um, and also to um, alternate your shoes as well. So let the 
Try not wear the same thing every single exactly. day. Have two pairs of blunnies, not just one. <laughs> <laughs> or, or one for every day of the week. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and and how does the, the, do the shoes rate versus the other sorts of things that you sell? I mean, is this an expanding market? Uh, is it is it something that you're seeing get it other South Africans other than perhaps the agricultural sector are, are connecting to? Uh, is, is this a growing thing or is it more of a niche market in South Africa? Um, it is growing. Uh, we have um, some exciting things happening for next year. We are developing the range into new stores, new, uh, more fashion orientated stores. Um, so we're going for that hipster look. <laughs> we're going to go and fit in there some, <laughs> somewhere along yeah, the line. We're, 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 we're getting into the tribe. Blunt, Blundstones next to like yes. the beard wax. Yes, and exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's appropriate. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, um, yeah. So it's going. I mean, you you don't you don't sell the shoes in sort of call it standard stores. I mean, a lot of like independent retailers, that sort of thing. Where where can people find it? Yeah. So so like I mentioned, we we have about fifty retailers that we supply at the moment. Most of them are predominantly independent retailers. Um, then we are uh, in negotiations with a big outdoor retailer, but that's for next year. So it's all in development, but. Um, we also have our two stores, one in Fourways and one in Rosebank. Um, yeah. And, so, and, and, the, and, the, and the shop in Rosebank is called? They're called R.M. Williams. R.M. Williams. Yeah, so if yeah. people are interested in the boots and and want to go have a look at the place to, Absolutely, to do it. Absolutely, yes, yeah. And, and is there a price range? Do, do you get more expensive Blundstone? How does it work? Yeah, depending on the leather. So that that's predominantly the, the what factors the price. So it's um, where you'd find more the rustic leathers, uh, that could be more more pricey. And we're giving a hundred hundred and fifty rand, but uh, okay. Yeah. So it's not it's not a, a dramatic difference no, between the no, no. between between the boots. Yeah. And and the what you're talking about in terms of like ease on the feet, hmm. right? Because that, I think, has become a big issue for people when they are looking for shoes that they can use at work or if they're on their feet all day. Uh, and sometimes you can buy, you know, let's call them felt schooner from somewhere. Yes. And, and, and the person has done a lovely job with the leather but tied it to the back end of a tire <laughs> that you then are now walking around. And then you come out at the end of the day and you feel like, uh, you know, that uh, you've walked on tar the whole day. So, but but the st- the shoes have actually focused on that aspect of, of looking after the feet. Yeah, so absolutely. So the sole, um, the the actual boot is incredibly light. So if you're on your feet all day, it doesn't don't, doesn't feel like you have cement bricks. Um, shipping about. <laughs> yes, shipping about exactly. <laughs> so and also, Blundstones um, uh, spent a lot of money on developing technology to to um, uh, develop in in, in comfort. So what they have is a, a patent system, uh, which is called their shock protection system, uh, which runs in the boot. And it helps just with that day-to-day um, fatigue and orthopedic problems, uh, support your back, all that, yeah. Okay, so that's uh, I mean, it's good to know that you can be, be comfortable, fashionable, and uh, and healthy all at the all at the same time. It's an answer for everything, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> you, you're gonna have to start sleeping with them. You you were saying you were saying Mark that that some from Canada even have like sheepskin inside. Oh, yeah, for, yeah. For, with, for, very cold for, for the for the climates that that require it, uh, particularly like Canada, where it's uh, so cold. Um, uh, in fact, the ones that I've got on now, um, I've, I've just taken out the. I had them in Canada. I was living here for a short while, and um, I. Uh, 
uh, took out the, the sheepskins because in South Africa you don't need it. But uh, they do make a, a difference, especially when you're walking around in the freezing minus 40s and stuff like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, that must be so, a uh, yeah, they, 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 all over the world, they, they, they um, particularly like in Canada now, they're easy to get off. So they've got these mud rings. So when you walk into the house, you've got to take your shoes off. Mm-hmm. And everyone walks around in socks. So you can't have any holes in the socks. But anyway, the, uh, the, um, Blunstons are fantastic from from that point of view. In that you can just go, you can them just off, flick them off, flick them off, yeah. And, and, w- and, w- and what about on the other side of the spectrum? I mean, we have quite a hot climate. Is uh, you know, people often will just walk around in sandals or with socks. Uh, is, is is overheating an, an issue as well? No, um, you know, because of the footbed, you've got the footbed that. Uh, uh, sort of, uh, th- there's a bamboo, a breeze, yeah. Okay, okay. So, but just like in Israel, we have very hot climates here, so they, they, they do their bit. So that, yeah. that, that, that's, that's not an yeah, issue. They're, yeah. they're certainly not, uh, not hot and so on. Even in the, in the summer time, they leather, they breathe. So, uh, they're just a very comfortable, uh, boot. Yeah. So if people want to see the range that, uh, you have available in South Africa do you have stuff online or is it best to go into the stores? Uh, best to come into the stores especially for fittings and that um, because there's different cuts um, also just to, to feel and yeah, get a, get a, a feel of the, the product um, our website uh, is www.blundstone.co.za um, but uh, that's busy being upgraded at the point so, but yeah ok great, well there you go if uh, if you want to get a cool-looking pair of, of boots that's also very durable and very wearable, or if you want to just quieten down your teenager uh, and get them something cool, then uh, definitely a Blundstone boot is the way to way to go. Mark and, uh, Mark and Claire, thank you so much for, for having come on the new Blue Review, and best of luck with the, with the shoes in South Africa. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Thank you for the opportunity, us, yeah. And, uh, hopefully um, the message will go out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, maybe you'll see me in store. I actually have, I own, a, own a pair. I need to, but I've kind of worn them into the ground. I need to go and see if they need to be replaced or or repaired. Uh, so there we go. Uh, shoes are important, especially when glass, beer bottles, and hot pavements. So go have a look. Uh, check out their Rosebank store. We'll be back just after this. A frequency like no other. One hundred one point nine High FM. You're back with 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the new Blue Review. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Jane to Claire and Mark there about Blundstone boots. And I see actually we, we got someone in um, who was SMSing and uh, didn't pick that up. Said, Hi, Benji. Are those boots like the Chelsea boots we wore in the 60s from Avi? Uh, so, I mean, I, I have to tell you, Avi, I've never worn anything in the 60s, but uh, I did um, quickly Google that while you um, sent it in. And they do have a very similar look. Uh, they're not as flat as these Chelsea boots, uh, but they do have that similar sort of elastic and uh, and leather. So if you were a Chelsea boot wearer, uh, that definitely is uh, one way. Of thinking about it, so yeah, there, there we go. Um, that closes the the boot issue. Uh, but if you want to ask any other questions, please feel free three four five one nine. That's the SMS line. You can also WhatsApp us on oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine, and we will happily talk to you all about it. So it is that time of the year where you're looking around. You want to get a present. You want to get a present for Hanukkah. You want to get a present for. Christmas maybe New Year's uh, after New Year's and uh, you don't know what to do you don't you want something a bit more unusual so what do you what are you going to do so 
That's where we come to the rescue here on the New Blue Review because we like to find solutions. Uh, and uh, indeed, in the Tikkun Olam section of the show today, that is exactly what we are going to do to help not only solve your gifting problem, but hopefully avoid you being run over at the mall at this time of year. And so if you're thinking about a gift and you've got this person and they've got everything, what can you get them? So there is a whole bunch of new items coming on the shelves, mostly on cyberspace, uh, that they are talking about blue and white items, i.e. Israeli goods that you can now send to people all over the world in uh, boxes. As you might know, if you've traveled in Israel lately or just uh, followed them uh, in the news, there is a huge what's called crafting industry that sprung up uh, Israeli small farmers small crafters uh, artisans uh, and people who are just making items which are not your run of the mill uh, large scale industrial agriculture products they are actually uh, you know, quite unique and quite different, but obviously fairly difficult. If you have to go to Israel, you have to hunt them down outside a shop, and uh, then that way you can you can have them. But how do you do that if you don't if you don't want to schlep all the way there all the time? And this is where some of these companies are starting to step in to uh, deal with this particular demand. So. The, the, the one company is called Blue Box, uh, not like the Blue Box, like the JNF that you would have got, although I'm sure that uh, this, this did occur to them. And basically what it is, is that uh, for $40 a month uh, or other pricing options available, apparently, they will send you three to five hand-picked items, one from an Israeli farmer, one from an artisan, one from a designer or an entrepreneur, and also a postcard describing uh, the story of the vendors. And uh, so what might come in your box could include uh, cold-pressed olive oil, camel milk soap, uh, organic date energy bars, zotar pestos, uh, anise-flavored wildflower honey, Ethiopian tahini, desert fruit jam, merlot, uh, rosemary-infused dead sea salts, uh, halva-flavored almond butter, stationary citrus extra- um Citrus extract shampoo, it says here, um, olive uh, tapenada, I don't even know what that is, and uh, pomegranate leaf tea. Uh, these are all things that you can get uh, in this box. And uh, basically, you go onto the website and you deliver it. Great gift for Hanukkah uh, and uh, you know, for, for anyone around the world. They also have regular sh- shipments going in, in January. So that is one of the people who are doing uh, this. Another one called Skypix doing a similar kinds of things. Also lots of date, honey, includes wine and chocolate um, and olive oil. But they also will send you an amazing book of photography from Israel in the sky. And um, you can actually customize it as well uh, with these guys. And uh, there's a few others. If you're looking for uh, uh, one to fit a budget, uh, the Taste of Israel group, they have anything between $30 and $125. Uh, also lots of pomegranate wine and uh, car uh, carob uh, foods and um, another kind of uh, uh, shook spreads and that kind of thing. That's all uh, part of part of it and then of course there's Lev Haolam which it means heart of the world and they volunteer these are volunteers who actually help to bring ne- recognition to small Israeli farms wineries and artisans uh, they are a bit more uh, expensive but you can get uh, in this particular case as much as silver jewelry uh, ceramics organic cheese 
uh, amongst uh, a whole bunch of others. So there are a few others, including something called iBox, uh, which which sends all around the world. And uh, these guys, you have to you get surprised every single time when it happens. But basically, they're all pretty much the same and uh, pretty much provide the same kind of service. If you're looking for an unusual gift, you want to bring in something Israeli. Uh, it really is a great way to. Uh, to do it and uh, something completely unique because it's really hard to get anywhere else in the world so definitely go and have a look if you want to have a look uh, at them you can go to israel21c.org and they have a whole list here you can google uh, five israeli gift boxes to fulfill your wish list this is the the name of the um the, the article and someone's put together all the different boxes um that you can get that will help you decide what you might want to deliver for this year's uh, Hanukkah box. And you should understand, Israel 21C, a great website, by the way, if you want to get in on the latest of what's going on in terms of Israeli culture and Israeli science. Uh, you can't uh, do any worse uh, or, or any better than Israel 21C. They've got uh, just on this um, on this page everything from uh, electronics to uh, autism to uh, other gifting guides. So definitely, as part of your general Israel education, go have a look there. They have a lot of, um, a lot of, of stuff that is uh, very educational and and very very helpful. And that uh, pretty much brings us to the end of the show for today. Thank you so much for listening and having uh, been a part of the show for those who SMSed in and uh, and and had a chat to us uh, we'll uh, be talking uh, further and then next week we we have an interesting uh, discussion coming up with Menachem Begin if you are a fan of Menachem Begin we're actually going to be talking next week about his um contribution here yeah, his they have a center in Jerusalem called the Menachem Begin center and it's actually 40 years since uh since Menachem Begin and Anwar Sadat sat down and organized a peace treaty between Israel and Egypt. And we forget with all the violence happening in the world that peace is possible. And Menachem Begin was the guy who did it. So they've got a big exhibition going on. So we're going to be talking to the head of the Menachem Begin Center coming up next week. And, uh, and just getting a sense about the man and what he was all about. And the exhibitions that they're doing in terms of um, the, the peace treaty between Israel and Egypt should be uh, absolutely fascinating show. I'm looking... Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, but in the meantime, it is the end for today. Hope you enjoy the rest of the week. Thank you for everyone who helps put the show together. Uh, to Vusi, who does uh, a lot of the sound management, and uh, Manny, who does the production, and Kathy, who keeps things running, and Craig, he pushes all the big red buttons and makes sure everything flows uh, very, very nicely. And for me, dear listeners, who gets to spend a, a very happy hour every Monday morning with you, thank you so much for the pleasure of your company. I'm looking forward to doing it again next week. Uh, But in the meantime, I'll just say shalom and we'll see you next Monday.